0: Mahjong Bochamp has become a
2: fan favorite for Bucs fans. And I think, first of all, because there hasn't been too too many rookies on this team. But secondly, he has an intriguing skill set that in a perfect world could benefit the Bucs. So I'll go on to the expert. We've got Sam Fasini here from The Athletic. And once we get through Mahjong Bochamp, I also want to ask the question about the value of draft picks because we went through a fascinating trade deadline. Let's get into it. Max him down. Giannis into the
0: lane. Giannis spinning.
2: see and hear me on the show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me a fellow Melburnian from the athletic a man that does just an an amount of work that I can't quite wrap my head around and this is typically what happens to these draft maniacs that know every single detail Sam Vicini, I couldn't have thought of a better intro than that
3: yeah, maniac. I think that's the main <laughs> word that I took away was maniac. I think that's definitely the way to put it. No, I'm super glad. This is great. Um, we just did my show, which was fantastic. I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk about NBA title tiers. We got a chance to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and how they kind of match up with some of those other teams across the league. And I'm so glad to take a step back and really get into my wheelhouse and talk more about the nitty gritty of like Marjan Beauchamp and second round picks. It's beautiful.
2: Well, it's a great point that you bring that up. We did just finish that podcast, the Game Theory podcast as well. Make sure you check it out. You should check it out all the time, but uh, I'm going to be on this episode. So if you find yourself thinking, what should I do for 90 minutes? I want to hear about these NBA tiers. I want to hear about all these teams that are contending for the title. Go check out that podcast as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And Sam, you know how it works. We thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. Uh, On YouTube, this is the fun stuff. I keep on saying it, but people get involved. We just did this with you, Sam. People are in the comments. They getting in little debates with themselves and little arguments, and that's what you love to see. Because ultimately, the viewers and listeners are telling us what they want to hear on a daily basis on Locked On Bucks. So we appreciate it. Subscribe, comment, drop a like, all that kind of stuff. It really helps us. Marjon Beauchamp, speaking of helping, is, is a guy that I think the Bucs fans have been intrigued by how he can help this team moving forward. And, and as I said, I think there's a couple of reasons for this. I think the first reason is the Bucs haven't had a lot of young guys to really get behind. And fans love nothing more than getting excited about a rookie. Secondly, he's athletic. The Bucs... Of course, they've got Giannis, but more broadly, they're kind of a, a ground-based team, I would say, for the most part. So there's a few reasons why fans are excited about on Bochem. And the other thing I should say, just a really, really likable personality. Yeah. Yes, yes. But if we wind this back to the pre-draft stuff, uh, you've got this draft guide, and this is why I use the word maniac, because this draft <laughs> guide is absolutely insane, and I use it as a resource very, very regularly. But Marjan Boche, where were you at with him prior to the draft?
3: So, yeah, I, I ranked Marjan 28th on my board. I liked Marjan. I love the length, the athleticism, also the motor. And before we get to the stuff on the court, I love the story as much as anything. I think that his journey to being a first round pick is one of the coolest that we've seen over the course of the last little while in the NBA draft. So he's a great high school player. He goes to train at this facility called Chameleon BX before <laughs> overtime elite, before the G League Ignite. And he basically gets stuck with COVID shutting things down where there aren't gyms in the Barry Area where he can go and work out, right? And instead of having nowhere to play, he just goes back home to Washington, the state of Washington, and plays at Yakima Valley Community College. It drops like 30 points and 10 rebounds and five assists. And he's just like very clearly the best player in that league, right? The Ignite, he goes and does like a workout with the Ignite basically, and just balls out. Like he, he is someone that they decide immediately that they wanna take. And he's not the most, you know, thrilling guy that everyone is excited to see on that team. They wanted to see Jaden Hardy. They wanted to see Dyson Daniels. Marjon just kind of sneaks up throughout the year and clearly emerges as a guy that's a first round pick. And I think it goes to show just his perseverance and just the kind of mentality he has about everything that he does. And you see it on the court. He just plays hard, man. He plays with desperation. He plays with that, I know what it's like to be stuck without basketball. I know what it's like to be playing at Yakima Valley Community College because basketball was briefly taken away from me. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it every single thing that I can. And that's that's what there is to like about him. He tries to defend at a really high level and generally does a pretty good job. Uh, you know, great frame at six foot seven with a six foot eleven wingspan. He's going to crash the offensive and defensive glass at a really high level to me, it's just all about the skill level. And maybe we can talk about that, but we'll see where the skill level allows him to reach in terms of where his NBA ceiling is.
2: Yeah. And I think, and we had uh, a couple of assistant coaches on this show just after the draft. And that was everything that they said. And you learn about the personality and the work ethic. And ultimately, once you get to the NBA, it's harsh, but it can only carry you so far, right? (laughs) So in terms of the... The timeline of when you thought this guy and it changes depending on where you get drafted of course but he ends up going 24 to the Bucs and in many ways there, there are benefits to getting drafted to a contender but the obvious negative is that maybe the leash is going to be shorter there's not going to be as many opportunities to play those big minutes so far he's played 560 minutes the Bucs have had a lot of injuries uh, but did you think it was a, is it a good situation for him for for the the last few years that he's had or is he someone that just desperately needs to play, um, and maybe would would benefit from from going down and playing some G League now that the Bucks are relatively healthy, deep, and he's not going to get a lot of burn.
3: Yeah. So just quickly, you say like in terms of how harsh the NBA is, like I think that him having that proven track record of being able to like scale the wall, right? You're going to mm-hmm. hit the rookie wall at some point. You're going to hit a sophomore slump at some some point. Being able to scale that and being able to get past it mentally and physically, I think is really important. He's shown that he's going to be able to fight through those tough moments of adversity, right? You're going to get hit with it because every young player in the NBA gets hit with it, unless you're LeBron James, Zion, whoever, (laughs) right? Even Giannis went through it, right? So I really like that aspect of it. In terms of what I think would be best for him, I think it was best for him to go to a contender. He's a bit of an older player because of that track record. And I think ultimately his best role is going to be as a role player on a good team if it ends up working out. So going to a team like Milwaukee that has a specified role for him that he is going to be asked to play, I think is really, really beneficial. And I think they're going to be able to work his skill set to fit within that mold perfectly. Do I think it'd be beneficial for him to get more playing time with the G League? Yeah, probably at this point, given that they're healthier, given that they just acquired Jay Crowder, given that Chris Middleton's coming back. And you know, I know that they just lost Jordan Wara, obviously. And uh you could think that some minutes could end up, you know, opening up there. And I haven't really liked, you know, Wes Matthews at all this year in terms of his minutes. So it's not impossible that there could be some minutes for Marjan, but sending him down, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Just give him an opportunity to go out and get some run. I'm never opposed to that. I don't think.
2: So I want to ask you about then um, potentially, and this is always just a, a fun game to play, but but what do you see Marjan as an NBA player projecting forward? Because again, I yeah. don't think it's about this year for Marjan. The other question I have for you is regarding the trade deadline. And look, there was some reports and suggestions and you talked to people that the Bucks were at least exploring the idea of trying to make a more substantial move than Jay Crowder. You put it all together. The Bucs don't have a lot of assets. Maybe Bochamp was a part of that. So I want to ask you about the trade deadline and how the Bucs navigated that. But first, I've got to run through our friends over at FanDuel. And we're well beyond the midway point of the NBA season. But now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to threes drain. So the NBA MVP, I've got the odds in front of me right here. Jokic and Giannis were a lot closer a week ago than they are right now. We understand why. The wrist injury has come into play. Jokic now clear favorite, Sam. Minus 240. Joel Embiid, the second favorite at plus 600. And then you have to go down to Giannis at plus 700. Now, Giannis is superhuman, Sam. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. (laughs) <laughs> but if he comes back, is there any value there plus 700?
3: I think so. Uh, if he can get back, you'd have to be continually tracking his injury recovery, I think, to place a bet on this, right? Like, I think you would need to know he's tracking well. He's not tracking well. And I think you should wait to do so because mm-hmm. of that. But, man, how good was he right before the all-star break? How good was he? I mean, he had closed that gap in such a substantial way. I had, look, I think Jokic is probably going to win. If I'm being completely honest, I think Jokic is probably going to win. But plus 600, if he can get back in the next seven games, something like that, and keep playing the way that he was playing prior to the All-Star break, yeah, why not? I don't think it's a bad bet. Uh, It's just
2: tantalizing there for Bucks fans. But FanDuel even lets you combine your bets as well for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chances, uh, your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And you can find out more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
0: All right, long-term, we
2: love the projection game. Uh, based on what you knew about Mahjong heading into the draft, and as we said, yeah. maybe he's more challenging to project the development because of the path he went through. You can certainly uh, tell me more about that. But but where do you see him? And look, we always reference the chart from our friend Seth Partnow, a, coll- a colleague of yours, and about the, the, the probabilities of the different draft picks panning out to be rotation players yeah. and all-stars and all that. And the reality is when you get to pick 24, chances are dramatically dropped. So you have to temper your expectations. But what what do you actually project for Bochamp with the skill set from what you've seen thus far?
3: Look, he's the kind of guy where if it hits, he is going to be very valuable as a role player. But I think that it's, I don't want to say that the likelihood is low that he's going to hit, but I think that there are real flaws in terms of his game that could really come back and cause him issues. So the shooting is the big one, right? He's currently making 32.2% of his three pointers. If you dig into those numbers a little bit more on catch and shoot jumpers this season, he is at catch and shoot threes this season. He's at 32.6% according to synergy, but purely on spot up three pointers this season. He's at 37.5. It's that everything else that he's taken outside of a spot-up three has been bad in terms of his catch-and-shoot stuff. The most important thing that he can do, though, is catch-and-shoot from three in spot-up situations. So am I encouraged? Am I discouraged by this? I think he's just not a great shooter at this point. I think that his misses are very inconsistent, and this is something that you could go back and see in terms of like his draft profile as well. Uh, It's just, it's a very loud shot, you know, like uh, anytime he has to rush to get it off, anytime that closeout comes a little bit quicker, it just feels like it gets real variant. It gets real variable in terms of where it's going to go. I think if he shoots it, he's a very useful player, but what do I think the odds are that he's going to shoot it? Below 50%, let's say at least. Uh, and if he doesn't shoot it, it becomes hard to put him on the court in playoff games, which is Bucks fans. I think that's the most important thing moving forward.
2: Yeah. It's fascinating that you, you say that because we've spoke about it before on this. And first of all, you love the confidence he's come in when he's got his minutes, he's totally. willing to shoot. And yeah, he's been streaky, which is fine. He'll have his nights where he goes four for five from three. And you're like, wow, that looks great. But we've also seen the games where he'll air ball a corner three. Yeah. And, and missed by a long way and then a couple minutes later he'll hit it it looks perfect and you're like gee there is a lot of variance in that shot and the result you get so the question I have then with these guys that are in this range where you go and you can say this for a lot of guys but with Bochamp I think he fits in the category where you're like yeah I could see him being a rotation player and because of the, yeah. the, the size and the versatility he can be a playoff pl- defensive player which is what every team is looking for from that size but also, maybe he just doesn't work out, which means that you've only got a very small window to cash in on potentially moving a guy that shows some stuff. And teams are quick to catch on to this. So that comes back to the trade deadline. You hear stuff. You're plugged in. You know. And, and look, there was talk about you know, Fred Van Fleet. That was, that was one big name that perhaps the Bucks were were kicking the tires on. And as we went through the packages and what the Bucks have, you've got a 2029 20, first rounder. That's really it. There's some mullet. There's one pick swap you can do. I think 2027, 20, but they just don't have a lot else. So who are the other young guys outside of your key guys that you don't want to move? Well, Bochamp was the guy. That is, like, he's a fresh first rounder. Haven't seen a lot of him. He's got potential. Were you? Would you have been surprised if the Bucks made a move there? And and how challenging is that for a contending team? that doesn't really want to waste time and wants to get the, get the job done right now in making a decision about those prospects that are on the fence between being a, a rotation guy and maybe not.
3: I think it's a very difficult balancing act for sure. In terms of how I would have approached it, I would have been completely open to moving him, but it would have needed to be someone that I think could have been like a legit, somewhat like useful difference maker for them. Right. Like, just go through who could have been available at the deadline, right? If Boyan Bogdanovich was available, I would send Marjan packing in a heartbeat because that's just like a perfect fit in terms of shooting and spacing. And this team desperately needs offense just offensive creation on some level outside of Giannis uh, just given where Middleton seems to be at this point, you know, like could Gary Trent have been an option? Would I have moved Marjan Beauchamp for a guy that is about to get very expensive this offseason when he signs another contract worth 16 million for this particular team, where that probably becomes a rental, I probably would not have moved Marjon Beauchamp for a rental. I would have wanted someone that could have been around for a couple more years that I think I could have gotten on a somewhat reasonable deal. Uh, Jalen McDaniels is a guy that could have been interesting for them, but he doesn't have any playoff track record. Uh, Josh Richardson just isn't a guy that I think should cost oh. a first-round pick. Uh, Eric Gordon isn't a guy that should cost a first-round pick. Jay Crowder did not cost a first-round pick, right? So ultimately, I would have involved Marjon Beauchamp in conversations where I could have gotten a genuine difference maker who would have entered my starting lineup. Guys like Kyle Kuzma, if he would have been available, guys like you know Bogdanovich or. You know Og Ananobi, but they don't really have enough for Og Ananobi. But even someone like, even someone like Sadiq Bay, I, I know that mm-hmm. was like a name that I heard kind of get kicked around. I not in terms of like front offices, but publicly, I heard like you know, Bucks fans looking at like Sadiq Bay is one or two, you know, one and a half more years left on his deal, where he's relatively cheap. I wouldn't have moved Beauchamp for Bay because I don't know if he can actually play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit slow defensively. The shot is very inconsistent. Yeah, he can create a little bit offensively, but I would have just rather held on to the Beauchamp ticket and taken a guy that I know can defend in that you can just teach to shoot at some point, hopefully if it goes right. So I I think that might kind of give you a feel of where I was on this. Just I would have been in if it involved a starting caliber player that could have immediately made a difference for me. I would have been open to discussing him in that way, but Anything less than that, I would have probably just been like, I, I'll just take Jay Crowder for five second round picks and move on.
2: Yeah. And I think that is the absolute reasonable way to look at it because ultimately, if you don't, if you're trading in for someone that isn't a guaranteed thing, or there is just exponential cost on the luxury tax that you're going to make you to make for is going to cause you to make further moves down the line. You you take the risk. It's a pick 24 in the end. It's not like this is a a guy that you use the top five draft pick on and you need to cash in on the value because you're worried that it it wasn't uh, the right move. So I totally agree with you, but this is the perfect segue because you spoke about Jay Crowder (laughs) and the five second round picks. So after this, I want to ask you about the value of draft picks because it's gone absolutely great.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: All right, Sam. So you mentioned the Jay Crowder trade. Five second round draft picks. Now, I know for a fact that you did... Uh, Well, I don't know this for a fact, but I am making an assumption that you didn't get a a wink of sleep before trade deadline over here in Australia, but but I did. I set my alarm for 4am and I believe the Jay Crowder trade went down at around that time. So I went to sleep at about midnight, 1am the night before, get a couple of hours sleep, wake up, see what's going on three hours before the deadline. And we had the conversation about, you know, why do we care about second round draft picks? Like, yeah. How many second round draft picks would you give up for Jay Crowder? And yet, when I woke up and I saw five, I was like, five second round draft picks for Jay Crowder? What is going on here? And then, what we saw over the next few hours is everyone was giving up unlimited second round draft picks. How did you assess the value of draft picks? And we've seen it with first as well, we should say, in recent years. What is going on with these teams and how <laughs> they value these picks?
3: Well, in Milwaukee's case, too, they, like, didn't they move? Like, they got a couple of seconds from Indiana, Mm -hmm. right? And then, like, they moved those for Jay Crowder. And what Mm -hmm. ended up being, like, minus two or three second rounders for Milwaukee, like, in aggregate, right? And I think you have to consider it in in aggregate at the end of the day because all of these teams are doing things at the deadline from a big-picture perspective as opposed to a small-picture perspective. In terms of second rounders, so I actually – Stunner. I I did a little bit of reporting, did a little bit of asking (laughs) around, did a little bit of uh, trying to figure this out. Right. So I talked to front office folks across the league and basically a, the cost of doing business is just like very high right now for the high end difference makers. Right. So guys like OG and Anobi would have cost four first round picks, something (laughs) like that. Right. And because that price is so high, teams are trying to maintain as much trade flexibility as anything. So it's not that they're like valuing first round picks more. It's that they're valuing like the ability to trade those first round picks more. And with the Stepian rule, you can only move basically four of your own first round picks at once. If you have other, picks it gets a little bit more complicated obviously you can move uh you know five or six in a deal if you really need to if you have a cache of picks like oklahoma city or utah Uh does but if you are stuck with what you've got you want to maintain that flexibility and i think teams are very intrigued by maintaining that flexibility which is why they have become much more inclined to be willing to give up the extra second round picks that it would require because those rules, there is no Stepian rule for giving up unlimited second round picks or giving up a certain number of those picks or maintaining flexibility. You can move as many second round picks as you want if you've got them. So because of that, I think that teams are trying to maintain first round flexibility to be able to go out and get real difference makers, which leads to these trades for sixth men, seventh men, maybe fifth starters, although Josh Hart did end end up getting a first Hmm. round pick. Uh, Sixth man, seventh man, eighth man off the bench. I think that it leads to those guys getting an abundance of second rounders as opposed to the past where, you know, maybe a good rotation player might get a late first round pick. But if you can maintain that flexibility long-term, it allows you to stay in the game longer for true difference makers.
2: So we've discussed this and and my thoughts are, I mean, like... (laughs) again, you come back to the percentage chance of pick 47 becoming a starting caliber. I mean, it, the percentage chances right. are low. And yes, there's been the rare stuff and the Bucks saw it with Malcolm Brogdon. Everyone goes to Jokic, all this kind of stuff. Like there is those needle in the haystack type of thing. But to me, I just look back and say, well, why should I care about giving away these these second round draft picks that a lot of them or multiple of them the Bucks owned. So you think as long as you got Giannis, they're going to be you know, crappy picks anyway. So what do you say to, or what's your thoughts if a fan says, this is ridiculous? Why are they giving away these five-round picks? Like, Why should a fan care about second-round picks in these types of moves?
3: So I can give you the math on this. So the Bucs are obviously a contending team. They figure to be a contending team for the next five years, let's say. Hopefully longer, but for as long as Giannis is there, as long as Giannis is in his prime, they should expect to be somewhere in the bottom 10 of the second round. Fair, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh over the last nine (laughs) nba drafts i already love it so that's 90 players selected in those final 10 selections maybe 89 i can't remember there might have been one where uh picks were forfeited right but of those 90 players that were selected in the final 10 selections from the 2012 draft to the 2020 draft Do you know how many of them became rotation players?
2: I think it has to be less than 10. I'd say like seven, six.
3: You can get it on one hand. It's five. Yeah. So you have a five in 90 chance, basically, which is a five to 7% chance, five to 6% chance of getting someone who can be a difference maker. Once you get into that bottom 10 of the second round. So, to say these picks are worthless, if you're giving up Bucks picks that figure to transfer uh, at some point in the next five years, they, they're kind of worthless. They're, they're barring a Giannis injury, barring Chris Middleton completely falling off of a cliff, barring Drew Holiday, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, like tearing every ligament in his knee. They're going to be in that bottom 10 range, right? And these picks are just not valuable. So as long as they're giving up their own picks, it's just it's it's not it's not a big deal.
2: Well, the data is just a tough blow for those that are still <laughs> still firmly riding the Hugo Besson train, who is uh, over there in France right now. And uh, tough break, tough break for those guys, Sam.
3: Five for ninety, Hugo Besson's shooting percentage or the amount of ah. second-round picks that hit uh, every year. Come In on, a man. single game, because Hugo will get them up, man. <laughs> That's
2: right. That is exactly right. Come on, we've got to show some respect to our New Zealand. Former New Zealand breaker, great. Well, played one season, actually. Uh, I don't think we can say that. But uh, Hugo Besson, you know, he's playing over there with Vic. I actually haven't checked the stats, but I'm sure he's getting oh, some, some shots up.
3: Can confirm. He's getting more than some. Yeah. <laughs> You telling me you're
2: watching that team? You're watching that team for Hugo, obviously, or is there another yeah, guy? You know, it's...
3: watching watching for Hugo, not the big seven foot five guy that's going to be the first round or first overall pick in the 2023 draft. Definitely not him. You Look, Hugo's going to be like a really good Euro player. He'll be like a really good scorer in Euro League for a lot of years. Uh, I don't think he's an NBA player, but he's fun.
2: He is fun. Uh, this has been fun as well, Sam. And we've podcasted for over two hours today. So that's, uh, let's call it quits for at least today. We'll see how we feel. It's today. We'll see how we feel tomorrow. Uh, I, I plugged, obviously, some of the stuff, but you'll do it better than me. Tell everyone where they should be reading all your draft stuff and uh, wider NBA content.
3: Yeah, go to the Game Theory Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you use. We're on YouTube, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Ficini, and then go to The Athletic. You'll be able to find all of my written work there. Uh, you'll also be able to find Eric Name, who does a tremendous job, uh, who both of us are friends with Kane, obviously, a little bit more than me. So go uh, go read for Eric's work. Don't go read for my work. <laughs>
2: Don't be humble. There's no room for that. So do it for both of those uh, fine gentlemen over there at The Athletic. Make sure you also check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast where you get the recaps from uh, across the the previous night's NBA action, which is exciting because, let's face it, I've been getting through the middle of the days over here in Australia and wondering what the hell am I going to do with myself. The NBA is back tomorrow. The Bucks will play the heat, which means we've got one more podcast on a non-game day before the Bucks get back into action on the weekend. So we'll podcast tomorrow. And then uh, we might be overly excited and do a weekend post-game podcast, but we'll see. But make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Bucks so you'll know when we do. Hit the notifications, drop a comment, a like and all that stuff. And especially for today's podcast, uh, jump on the YouTube comments and let us know your thoughts on Marjan Bochamp and what you see in the future. We'd like to hear uh, what Bucks fans are thinking. Uh, Sam's a star. We'll have him back on, I have no doubt, at some point uh, in the near future. Until tomorrow, speak to you.